0: the truth news network in a time when narrative supersedes truth when facts are the enemy in a time where even orwell would look at things and shake his head in disbelief in a time when it takes backbone to stand up to the slings and arrows of outrageous deception thank all that's holy you have a voice tnn the truth news network and dan
1: newman And guess what? We're so, so comfortable to have you aboard as part of this family at TNN Live, Truth News Network, truthnewsnet.org. Good morning, everyone. You hit the middle of the week. (laughs) Every every week, about midweek, I start looking at the weekend. I'm sure many of you do the same thing. Well, let's start the show by telling you we got a big one for you today. Dr. Andy Wakefield is going to join us in just a little bit here at TNN Live. Who is Dr. Andy Wakefield? Well, let me just tell you a little bit about him. He's an academic gastroenterologist. That's a hard word to say. Gastroenterologist. He's from the UK. Got his medical degree from St. Mary's Hospital Medical School in London. He qualified as fellow of the Royal College of Surgeons back in 1985. He trained as a gastrointestinal surgeon with a, a particular interest in inflammatory bowel disease. I thought that was kind of unusual. He was awarded a Wellcome Trust Traveling Fellowship to study small intestinal transplantation in Toronto, Canada. He was made a fellow of the Royal College of Pathologists in the UK in 01. He's published over listen to this, he's published over 140 original scientific papers reviews, and book chapters. In 95, as an academic physician, he was working in a London teaching hospital, and he was contacted by the parent of an autistic child that had stomach issues. So Dr. Wakefield soon learned from several other parents with autistic behaviors that their kid's regressive behavior immediately followed an MMR vaccine. So, he began investigating a possible role between gastrointestinal issues, the MMR vaccine, and neurological injury in children. So, when he went down that road looking for this possible link, Dr. Wakefield participated in a study of 12 children that had both stomach and developmental issues. The report that came out of that, written with 12 other authors, would catapult Wakefield into becoming one of the most controversial figures in the history of medicine on both sides of the pond. Now, you can fast forward a little bit, and uh, you can just imagine where Dr. Wakefield is in this COVID-19 vaccine, this world that has changed because of all of that. He's going to be with us in probably 20, 25 minutes, a very busy man. He's got a major new blockbuster movie that he's producing that's coming out very soon. We're going to get him to talk about it, but he's got a lot of answers to a lot of the questions that you and I have about what's going on in our world medically and how it's impacting us. So what else is going to happen today? It's a big day in the world of finance in the United States. The Federal Reserve is set today. They're going to increase our gloomy outlook about inflation about our supply shortages and predictions of recession. What are they going to do? They're going to raise the interest rate. The Fed scrambling to tamp down this record inflation we're having is expected today. It is going to announce it'll again raise its benchmark interest rate by three-quarters of a point. That's three-quarters of a percent. Arguments are escalating about whether Our nation's central bank is steering the U.S. economy into a short or a long period of future contraction of the economy, which is what invites recession to come along. The government tomorrow is going to publish the report on growth in the second quarter. It's not expected to be very good. So our major corporations in the United States, they have been after Congress they're pushing Congress to improve our overall economic picture. How? Subsidize computer chip manufacturing in the nation, asking Biden to loosen some of the tariffs levied by Trump on Chinese goods. Yesterday, the Senate moved a compromised semiconductor bill closer to the finish line. After more than a year of halting negotiations, they appear to be ready to, to provide $52 billion bucks in subsidies to bolster U.S. competitiveness in an arena considered essential to national security, that semiconductor thing. Every computer, pretty much every uh, electronic uh, instrument, anything that we used that has the ability to turn on and turn off electrically has got computer chips built in it. And the United States, what did we do for years? Well, our labor prices kept going up and up and up in every sector of the manufacturing. So what then happens? Well, companies start looking elsewhere to see if we can get the same goods and uh, products manufactured somewhere else at a cheaper price without sacrificing the quality of those goods and products. So where's the obvious place they looked? China. We outsource, I don't know what the percentage of our manufacturing is, but it's massive. To the Chinese people and the Chinese government. And chips is one of the biggest and the most important. And so during the Trump four years, he did a lot in bringing manufacturing back. And this is one he pushed hard for. But he got pushback from the Democrats during his four years. But now it looks like something may happen there. This is just one bright spot. And let me just tell you this. I mean, even if they say, here's $52 billion, go get these semiconductor companies to come back to the U.S., you're not talking about anything happening quickly. It's going to take a long time. You can't just flip the switch on and something happen. And guess who's figured that out in a very dramatic way, and you and I are paying the price for it just being figured out? The Biden administration. Joe Biden, even before he became president, He just basically, it seems, felt like he could flip a switch and all of a sudden overnight the United States, our entire energy sector is going to just turn off the fossil fuel stuff and turn on the renewable energy stuff and bam, we get rid of pollution and we create an energy source that we can run everything on and it's less costly than fossil fuels. That's a grandiose idea and I wish that could happen. And I wish that I only weighed 180 pounds. (laughs) I don't think that's ever going to happen. I hadn't weighed 180 since I was a freshman in high school. I'm a big guy. I'm tall, big frame. And I'm not one of those people that says, oh, you know, I've got big bone structure, so that's why I'm a little heavier. No, I am too heavy. Um, But my point is, Just because you hope something is going to happen, or it might happen, doesn't mean it's going to happen. And good leaders don't just hope. They put plans in place. And I would love to think that the Biden administration has a comprehensive plan about attracting semiconductor companies to either come here or to partner with companies in the United States to move the chip manufacturing industry for all of our needs back here. I would love to get in a situation economically that we weren't dependent, that just a small percentage of what we need in the way of goods and services and manufacturing and in every sector of our lives where we have to depend on some other country. We need to be able to produce it ourselves. That whole philosophy in Washington, D.C., it slowly turned and it became part of that monster in Washington, D.C. that just wants to take control and run everything and everybody and be run by a small group of sycophants in D.C., whatever you want to call them. I don't know what to call them. But it's a swamp, and the critters, and the big critter that lives in the swamp and controls it has just been slow to let reality set in. Anytime that happens, folks, you're going to find yourself wandering around, asking a bunch of questions, a bunch of questions that we can't find answers for. Asking and answering questions is a great process because that's how we learn. And you can't learn, you can't get bigger, you can't get smarter unless you learn. And if you have an open mind and if everything out there, the good in it all is not being hidden from you, and you want to learn, you're going to learn. You're going to figure things out. That's what this administration is missing. This administration is running on autocratic philosophies that they believe will fix all of our problems by doing away with government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Their philosophy, that their overarching reason and purpose for doing everything they do tells them we the government we want to step in we want to we want to take control of all of the decisions that are made the big ones what direction the country is going to go in how's our economic philosophy going to run this economy in the united states and joe biden has just very quickly changed all of that thinking and the structure that has been in place for decades that in most cases has been very successful to replace it with this autocratic philosophy, all the while saying it's democracy. This government, folks, and I'm talking about the White House, the House of Representatives, and the U.S. Senate, they are anything but democratic thinkers. And I'm talking about the majorities in all three places. Of course, Democrats control the White House. They control the House of Representatives. And because of a 50-50 tie with a, uh, a vice president that's a Democrat, they control the Senate. They call democracy what they want to do and what they then do with their actions is opposite of democracy. Do you know we don't have a democracy? Our government was never never established to be a democracy. It's always been a representative republic. What does that mean? We have elected, chosen representatives to govern us and represent our philosophies, our ideals, and the way our thoughts are for running the nation. They go to Washington, D.C., 535 of them in Congress. They represent states on the Senate side, an individual small districts for c- the congressional side in the house of representatives, but they all constitutionally are supposed to represent us a democracy. There are, uh, uh several d- real democratic countries on earth. And so how does a democracy, how's it different from a representative republic? There are no representatives. The people weigh in on every issue, every thing that is done by the federal government has to be approved by the people, and that means elections in which every citizen votes about everything. And just imagine how tough it is to organize and structure and plan and prepare and implement all those things. I mean, in the United States, look at how big our government is and how many issues come across the table in Washington, D.C., We'd be, the people would be going to a ballot box every day to vote on issues. Our forefathers were pretty sharp. They knew we were going to grow. They knew that giving the people the power of government, the people's representatives were going to make choices and decisions based on what the people felt. They knew we would grow. They knew we would be very successful and that we would grow in stature in the world. We would grow in size here and we would need the ability to have representation in the government that answered directly to us and spoke totally for us. We're watching that erode every day, every stinking day. So we have President Joe Biden. Do you realize that do you realize that he's been around for 50 plus years? You would think that he and his administration would have all the answers we need, but here we are today, July 27th, as our inflation continues to eat away at your household budget and mine, fears of a major economic downturn, they just get bigger and bigger every day. The Biden administration is trying to redefine the term recession. And they're doing that as an obvious public relations push. They're trying to slow down the backlash for the current state of the economy, and they don't want to take any responsibility for it. So their effort to hide what has long been a simple, specific, and it's never been controversial, the definition of recession, it's part of an ongoing pattern of this president and his team redefining and then weaponizing specific terms to use in their political agenda. And they stigmatize forms of dissent. They deem threatening and they label everybody something bad and nasty who disagrees with them. So here are six terms, words. They're doing their best to redefine. The obvious number one is recession. So, for decades, it's been defined recession as two straight quarters of negative economic growth. And that means a decline in gross domestic product, GDP is what it's called. So, this definition's gotten really relevant with the latest GDP numbers for the second quarter due to be released tomorrow, following the release of official figures back in April that showed the economy shrank 1.6% in the first quarter. That's something we haven't seen in a long time. So if the numbers tomorrow show the economy contracted in the second quarter, that would confirm a decline in economic activity over six months, January through June. The U.S. would, according to the generally accepted definition of recession, be in one. But in the last few days, all of a sudden, several folks in the Biden administration are trying to obscure that definition of a recession, they need to argue that we're not facing a recession, regardless of what the second quarter numbers look like. Jared Bernstein, he's a member of the White House Council of Economic Advisors, said this on CNN, it's up to the National Bureau of Economic Research, which is a nonprofit group of economists, to decide whether we're in a recession. And he added the Bureau does so in hindsight because data comes in with a bit of a lag. And you know what we've been told about that process of thinking? It takes up to a year to get it all meshed out. Bernstein pointed to a blog post on the White House website that claims that, quote, official determinations of recessions and economist assessment of economic activity are based on a holistic look, oh my gosh, holistic look at the data that factors in a wide array of variables beyond negative growth rates. In other words, folks, they are going to squeeze and stretch out and deflect our attention and come up with some way tomorrow to say, we're not in a recession. Mark my word, it's gonna happen. And then disinformation. Boy, the Democrats have crawled all over that word. It's one of the more controversial terms that the Biden folks have seemed to control for political purposes. They use it, disinformation, to target anybody with which the administration disagrees especially concerning COVID-19 and the 2020 election. Look back with me. In April, DHS announced the formation of the Disinformation Governance Board. Remember that? Secretary of Homeland Security, my favorite government servant, Alejandro Mayorkas, he defended that Disinformation Governance Board as important in tackling the threat of disinformation, especially when it targets migrants or comes from the Russian government. I mean, that's kind of odd to throw out there. But he got blasted. The board as an Orwellian ministry of truth that never really got legs and got off the table. Whistleblower documents last month were found and brought to you and me to see by Senators Josh Hawley and Chuck Grassley of Iowa. And they appeared to conturn, con, uh, confirm the concerns that we all had about what this board was going to do. Isn't it interesting? We only get information that's bad about an administration through whistleblowers. This administration's not giving us facts. They're trying to term, uh, change the definition of a domestic terrorist. They're trying to redefine what a domestic terrorist is, and they've pretty much done it over the last year. It started when the National School Board Association sent a letter to the White House asking Biden to investigate threats against public school officials. You remember all that? I'm not going to go into the details, but they've totally changed what a domestic terrorist is. I mean, come on now, after 9-11, we knew what a domestic terrorist was. Anybody that wanted to do things like happened in New York, anybody that wanted to blow up a building here or go after people, a terrorist that lives in the United States, that would be a domestic terrorist, certainly not parents going to a school board meeting to express their concerns with the school board members that they elected. They're trying to change the definition of an insurrectionist. And that comes from the 2020 insurrection. They want anybody that disagreed with them and came to the Capitol that day, not just the ones that got involved in violence and physically breaking into the Capitol, but if you were there, if you were there, you were there as an insurrectionist. They want to redefine voter suppression. This one just really gets me. That's the one Democrats created They throw it around like that after what happened in Georgia. Oh, my gosh. The Georgia legislature passed a law that made it easier for people to vote legally and harder for people to vote illegally cheating. And they cried over and over again. The White House cried. It's voter suppression. And then after the round of the primaries and just the last couple of months in Georgia— More people voted there than have ever voted. Now, how could that happen if Georgia's government had instigated voter suppression? And this is one that I have just screamed at for years. They have tried to take control and change illegal alien. Last year, the Biden administration ended up using the phrase illegal alien To describe migrants who entered the country illegally although alien has long been common in the u.s law they ended that they don't say illegal alien anymore those in the white house that were supporting the change described the new language as inclusive yeah you got to call them non-citizen that's what they want us to all say Why? Because we want to be inclusive and less dehumanizing. And then critics countered the new term would have the effect of normalizing illegal immigration, which is exactly what they're doing. That's the whole thing. They want us to forget that anybody here might be illegal because eventually, hey, they want them just to fit right in and get all of the goods and rights and privileges that illegal people that came in and got legal how do you do that? You go through a legal immigration process which 1 million every year go through the legal process and are granted citizenship into the United States a million every year that's been going on for decades every year about a million how does that compare with other countries all other countries on the planet their legal immigration process every country has a process, and at the end of each year, when you start counting up the totals in all these countries, the total amount of all the other countries on earth don't equal one million legal immigrants into those countries in a year's time. This White House, this president, I just cannot follow their thinking. White House announces a sale of more of our strategic petroleum reserve, 20 million more barrels of oil. This makes the fifth such sale that President Biden has authorized, and they hit it for a while. We didn't know about the first two or three releases of that oil. The White House continued to blame disruptions posed by Russia's invasion of Ukraine for the high gas prices. And all the while, they were claiming the Biden administration's actions are making a plus difference. In fact, the Department of the Treasury estimates that as a result of these drawdowns, both domestically and internationally, the price at the pump for Americans is up to about 40 cents per gallon lower than it otherwise would have been. How do they figure that? What are they it on? What are the factual reasons for that? Have no idea. No evidence given. And it's true that our gas prices are down pretty good in a good way. Um, more than $5 a gallon back in June. The averages of Tuesday was still at $4.32 a gallon compared to $3.15 a year ago. And two thirty-nine a gallon when Biden on January 20th of 2020 took office in 2021, I'm sorry. Republicans slam the White House. It does no good to slam the White House. I don't know why. They just continue to throw insults and screams and hollers. If you don't take the power that is given to you constitutionally and you're an elected official or a bureaucrat that's been appointed and approved by the Senate, unless you take the power that you have and use it totally for the good of the American people, you're not doing your job and you're worthless the process of governing, and I don't care who you are, you need to go. You need to go. I know that sounds cold, but that's the gospel. Nobody needs to be governing at any level in our country unless they're doing the job they ran for were elected to do and were inaugurated and put into office to do. If you're not doing that job, not the one that you think you're gonna do or should do after the fact, the people constitutionally control government in the nation. And that's not gonna change. And it doesn't need to change. If it changes, this nation is toast. Dr. Andy Wakefield with us in just a few minutes live at TNN duncan
0: is putting a whole new spin on pumpkin at duncan with our new pumpkin cream cold brew smooth bold cold brew topped with velvety pumpkin cream cold foam made with cinnamon and nutmeg spices and there's more pumpkin for you to love like the delicious fall classic our pumpkin spice signature latte rich espresso topped with, with cream caramel drizzle and cinnamon sugar that's how we pumpkin at duncan sip into the fall season with the new pumpkin cream cold brew or pumpkin spice signature latte america runs
2: on duncan price of participation may vary limited time offer exclusions apply. Are you sure we should be out here? It's pretty cloudy. Come on, that'll pass. Really? I don't know. Yeah, That's just, just swing. I'm holding swing. a... Swing! Ah! Oh. Whoa, looks like someone could have used Yahoo OneSearch on his mobile phone. Try Yahoo OneSearch and get news, sports, even weather. Get better results. Text WEATHER and your zip code to 92466. Be a better golfer.
3: Yahoo!
2: Standard carrier text messaging rates apply.
4: Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents A Word From Your Wallet.
6: are typically pretty quiet well i didn't want to be a pain in Uh,
4: uh, uh, the hurry in for the best deals we've had in years money-saving rebates on brakes batteries tires and more see your participating
0: Ford dealer today while some compromise to be nice others aggressively hold to the truth guess which one we are tnn the truth news network
1: Dr. Wakefield will be calling us in just a second. And before, I just wanted to point something out. You know, Dr. Anthony Fauci, he's kind of uh, slipped into the background in many ways. Well, yesterday, he was on CNN, one of his favorite places to go, and he scoffed at the idea that he is facing possible investigations by Republicans if Republicans get control of the House in the midterms, And he defended his record, and he invited... GOP lawmakers to take their best shot at him. He's an 81-year-old career bureaucrat, never run for office. He was appointed and has served in that capacity since he started his career in the federal government. He's headed the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases since 1984. We'll get back to that in a few minutes. First, let's go to the phone, and I, uh, let me just check this out. I think Dr. Andy Wakefield is with us now. Are you there, sir? I am
7: with you. Yes, indeed.
1: Well, good morning, sir. It's so good to meet you and good. welcome you good to morning. our to our audience at Live. Wonderful.
7: Thank you.
1: I know a lot about you. And uh, let me just say this. You have a long and storied career in medicine. Uh, from the UK, you've done a lot and spent a lot of time in, in uh, Canada. You're in the U.S. now. And I want to say thank you for all your work. And I know that uh, you've got a lot of drive-by shooters out there that are constantly shooting at you. That happens to anybody that digs for the truth if it happens to be non-political and uh, politically incorrect. But I want to thank you for the work that you've done. I'm excited, and our audience is excited to have you here today. I don't have a particular agenda for this conversation. I want you to present to our extensive audience across the U.S., We have a lot of people from overseas listening in live. There are a lot of important things going on in medicine today, especially in the U.S., and there's a handful of people like yourself that are truth-sayers. What do you feel, based upon everything you've done, Dr. Wakefield, what's the most important thing that American people need to know going on in medicine today?
7: I think it's this, and I just to give some historical perspective people coming to the issue of pharmaceutical companies vaccine manufacturers vaccine safety vaccine mandates people coming to that issue now and only recently may feel some despair may feel that we are in a very dark time but let me characterize it When I started in this field 30 years ago, the field specifically of vaccine safety, then there were but a handful of us around the world who were prepared to openly discuss this thorny issue because the risks were so high, so great for one's career. But now it is more than half the world. More than half the world has come over to understanding, to recognizing there are major, major problems with the interaction between politics and the pharmaceutical companies, the power of the pharmaceutical companies to influence political decisions, to influence policy, and to basically exploit our lives, exploit our children, exploit our bodies for the purpose of profiteering. And we've seen this many, many times. We saw it with opioids, we've seen it time and time again. These companies are serial felons. And it's taken people uh, time to come to that. But please be reassured that we are prevailing. When vaccination is a public health measure that should require fully informed consent and therefore the confidence of the consumer, the person or the consumer's parents, in the case of vaccines, vaccines. when that confidence has gone, which it has comprehensively, in the light of, of Covid vaccine. When that confidence is gone all they have left is force and that force manifests as mandates as uh, taking away your job, your livelihood, your income, threatening your family, taking children away from their parents if they refuse to get vaccinated, banning children from an education in public or private school. Uh, these are these forced measures, these um, coercion, these threats are not a measure of their success but a measure of their failure and people need to recognize that. This is a road to nowhere and people are coming to realize it and people are increasingly standing up and saying no more, we've had enough. It's taken a long time for many people to come to this place and sadly many people have come to it because of their own personal experience of serious adverse events, either in themselves or in their family members or in their community. Um, And it should never have happened. But here we are. We are winning. It's tough. It's not pretty, but we are winning. And people need to understand the history of this if they are to appreciate where we are now and where we are going in the future.
1: Dr Wakefield I think that fear fear is probably the biggest negative right now for Americans in this situation because historically when we look back over our shoulders we have always in medicine we've always looked to the medical professionals in the US and we've just accepted pretty much everything we're told as being factual but over the last 3 years as you said we've we've kind of wallowed in this vaccine dilemma in the united states and around the world and it becomes a circle a vicious cycle in a circle we listen we act we respond when we respond doing what we're told we don't get the results that we were told we were going to get and we come out of that and all we have left is fear because that part of our society the people that have always been right there to help us and all medical issues, we're not getting facts from them, and the fear is overwhelming most of the people in the United States about this.
7: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Fear is a very, very powerful weapon that they've used, and they've used it at various levels. Just go back into history again, and fear was used to get indemnity for the pharmaceutical industry, the vaccine manufacturers, indemnity against the liability for death and injuries caused by their vaccines. Now, this is a unique position in in any industry in this country. It's what you have is you have a mandatory market. Children have to get vaccinated to go to school, and you had no liability. You had no downside. So all you could do was make a massive profit, and that's what they did, and they became very powerful. And they used fear to get that liability protected. They said to the politicians, who are not doctors, not epidemiologists, not virologists, they said to them, if you don't give us liability protection, we will stop making these vaccines, children will die from infectious disease, and it'll be your fault. How do you feel about that? And, of course, the politicians panic because they're completely out of their depth. They're at the mercy of the pharmaceutical industry and the public health officials who exploit that. to their advantage. And so laws like this get passed, laws that should never get passed get through that indemnify the pharmaceutical industry. Then it comes to something like COVID and the combined forces of the drug industry plus Tony Fauci and his minions use fear once again to force people into vaccination. Now we realize but it's a complete lie. Or we should realize that it's a complete lie. The vaccine doesn't protect people who have the vaccine. are at greater risk of serious infection with COVID. They're the ones who are accounting for the majority of COVID deaths now. Um, so what has gone wrong? But we, Fear has been exploited throughout. And people have got to recognize that they are being used. They are being manipulated. And fear is mechanism by which that is being achieved. And they've got to stop being frightened. They've got to stand up. They've got to look at the facts.
1: And um, many, many more
7: are doing it. Not all, sadly, but many are doing it.
1: What is your word to the American people, the people in our audience? What is your word of direction for us as we're just trying? I don't think anybody really anymore expects to get a long-term plan in place about the medical part of their lives, but are looking for a way for right now. What can we, as everyday citizens, what can we do to protect ourselves and our children and our elderly parents from getting whatever is in these vaccines, getting it and the after effects and what it does to our bodies and our lives, stopping this spiral down and trying to get on a plain level field where you can make decisions again based on evidence and facts. How can we do that?
7: Let me me ask that in in a way that may seem peculiar to you, Dan, and that is number one, and it comes back to something you were talking about earlier, the the faith that people have invested in the man in the white coat. When I used to teach medical students years ago, which I love doing, I would say to them, half of what i tell you is right and half of what i tell you is wrong the problem for me is that i do not know which half is which it's up to you to explore to find out and to tell me and that is the process of learning in medicine we really know remarkably little now people hold doctors up as knowing everything as being all-knowing as being Um, a fountain of knowledge that is not the case and people have got to get the medical profession in context they are complete. the medical profession in the face of covid is completely out of it it's guessing but it's pulling on its white coat and using that quasi authority to influence people's decision making and their emotions and that is totally inappropriate so let that go replace it with this Replace it with education. There is plenty of information out there. Go out there, get educated. Read both sides of the argument. Go to the CDC's website. But do go to resources like Children's Health Defense, for example, or your radio show and listen to people who are putting another side. Without dismissing it, listen to it. And then assimilate the arguments and make your own choice. Do not allow it to be made for you. And then finally, something that has been a guiding light in my medical practice, and indeed my life, and now in my screenwriting and and filmmaking, is the extraordinary power of a mother's intuition. And what I mean by that is there is a force that mothers have it's a small voice it's not intellectual it's not rational it's not something that is deductive it is there it is visceral it is a survival reflex and when i've heard thousands of mothers say to me when i took my child with this shot i knew there was something wrong a little voice inside me was saying there's something wrong here and then it went terribly wrong and my child is now autistic um They didn't listen to that voice. They listened to the man in the white coat. What I would suggest, what I would strongly uh, implore, is that for mothers to take back that ancient wisdom, that ancient mantra that has been really the reason for our survival on this planet for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, it is there for a reason, perhaps God's greatest gift. So please, trust that. And for the fathers, You may not have that intuition to the same extent, but trust it in the mothers of your children. Trust it, because it has served you well for a very, very long time, and it will serve you well going forward. Please trust it. And that really is my takeaway message.
1: Dr. Wakefield, I want to talk about what's going on right now and what's pending in your work in uh, movie production And what's ahead but before we go there what can we do today from here going forward compared to what you've seen in other places on the globe in the UK and and, uh, in Asia in this particular area of COVID-19 and other vaccines what can we do specifically if we are where we are we've made choices many of us as you said made the choice and Babies got jabbed and different things happened. We've got a lot of people that have died, adverse reactions at COVID 19 infections, all kinds of things. What can we do? What kind of decisions do we need to make to do the right thing to get back on the path towards health and driving the fear out of our medical and our uh, healthcare lives? Is there anything specific you can tell us that we can do?
7: There are medical things and there are sort of political things. I think the most important thing politically is to vote in only those people who are prepared to acknowledge the truth and stand up for our individual rights, our health freedoms. There is no place in medicine at any time for forced medical procedures, for mandating people to put something into their body, anything into their body at any time, but particularly those things that are like these... COVID shots that have never been appropriately tested for safety. So please take back your bodily autonomy. It is your right to decide what goes into your body. And you must stand up and fight alongside all of those people who are fighting against this. And we are prevailing. You will find out, ultimately history will record, that the COVID vaccine, uh, the whole COVID narrative has been one of the greatest mistakes of public health has ever made in the history of the world, because it has unearthed the behemoth of, of problems with vaccine safety that really cross the bridge, not just from what we're dealing with now, but to the childhood vaccine schedule. So please get educated, take back your bodily autonomy. It is your decision to make what, what goes into your body and what doesn't. Vote for those people who will stand for your rights, will stand for that bodily autonomy, will resist vaccine mandates, and there are plenty of politicians who are doing that, Uh, and I cite the Governor of Florida in particular for the brave stand that he's taken. As far as treatment for those people who have suffered adverse reactions, sadly we're really at the beginning of that learning curve, people are working on this, but because it was experimental because the COVID shot was experimental and we do not understand fully how it is causing injury in people. We are kind of on the back foot as far as treatments to get rid of the problems or ameliorate the problems for those who've suffered adverse reactions. Um, but if you've had any kind of reaction, in fact, you know, it's not my place to tell people whether to get vaccinated or not, All I can say is what I would do. If you want to get vaccinated after assimilating and reviewing all of the evidence, that's fine. That's your choice. That should be your choice. But I will never, never, never touch a COVID vaccine, a COVID shot in my life. And um, if I had a baby today, I would not vaccinate them. And that is, in all honesty, all I can say. That is my position after 30 years of studying vaccine and vaccine safety intensively.
1: Do you know how pleasant it is to hear a medical professional, one that's given his lifetime to this, that actually took a position that you just took and said, I can't tell you what to do, but here's what I would do if I had a new baby. We're not hearing that. We're not seeing that in this world that we live in. Thank you so much for that. I want to fast forward before you get away, and I know you've got a tight schedule, you've got You're in the movie business, and you've got a project that is about to come out. Can you give us kind of an inside scoop and a timing on when this is going to happen?
7: I will indeed. This is my, we're now up to, this is the fifth film. They are really true stories. They're stories about vaccine fraud, um, the 1986 Act. It took away liability from the industry, insiders from the CDC coming forward and telling the truth. And the latest one I made with Bobby Kennedy, which in fact has just been released, is called Infertility, a Diabolical Agenda. And it's a story that um, has been out there for some time, but has now found resolution in this film. Um, And it's about the administration of anti-fertility vaccines unknowingly to uh, women in developing countries, rendering them infertile, while telling them that they were part of a tetanus vaccine program, when in fact they were part of a deliberate anti-fertility vaccine program, which either aborted an existing pregnancy or rendered the women infertile. It was an extraordinary and appalling situation. And uh, this story, which is free, you can go and watch this movie on infertilitythemovie.com. Sorry, InfertilityMovie.com. Know the InfertilityMovie.com. Go and watch it for free. It's an extraordinary story um, that I made in collaboration with Bobby Kennedy. Uh, and the new project, which we are in pre-production on at the moment, so it's not scheduled to, uh, to hit your screens until 2023, is um, an astonishing story that of corporate vaccine fraud, which I co-wrote with uh, Terry Rossio, and people will say, well, who's Terry Rossio? Terry Rossio wrote uh, Shrek, Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, Aladdin, King Kong versus Godzilla, Godzilla versus King Kong, I mean, a phenomenal screenwriter, great honor to write this story with him, and uh, we are in pre-production now. If anybody would like to... Become part of this film and help us. We'd be delighted financially. We are very close to now raising the full funds for the film. And um, so please contact us at Team 1986, Team1986.com, Team1986.com, and you can make contact with us there. But um, very exciting time. I can't say too much about it because it it is under wraps until it finally comes out. But uh, yeah, a, a, a game changer. I, I can say that without you know fear of overstatement.
1: Dr. Wakefield, we will put that information, that contact information on our website. And I want to say this to you. You've been through a lot. We don't even get into the problems that you've had in your rearview mirror. Uh, and it's because of being a truth-sayer regarding this. One last question before you go. Is depopulation, purposeful depopulation on the planet Earth, is it real? Yes, it is. Um, People have argued that with the COVID
7: vaccine, it's part of the agenda. I don't know. You never substitute um, conspiracy for incompetence, but with the anti-fertility vaccines, they were deliberately produced. And this is not ambiguous. This is published by the World Health Organization who funded it. So there is a clear agenda to reduce the world's population. And this was by inducing abortion in women who were pregnant or by rendering them infertile. So, yes, unambiguously, there is a depopulation agenda um, under the auspices of the World Health Organization.
1: Dr. Wakefield, thank you for giving us this time today. We, um, we have a lot of respect for you, what your writings are, your, your movies that are behind you. I can't wait to see the new one when it comes out. And we will publish the uh, site for people to go watch that last movie. And I want to thank you for being here. The door is open. Anytime you want to come back and reach our audience, all you got to do is call. You got my number. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it very much. Have a great day. Thank you, brother. Dr. Dr. Andy Wakefield. Before you go. I want to tell you a little bit about him. I didn't do this up front, and I should. He um, is an academic gastroenterologist. He received his medical degree from St. Mary's Hospital Medical School in London. He qualified as fellow of the Royal College of Surgeons back in '95 and trained as a gastrointestinal surgeon with a particular interest in inflammatory bowel disease. I told you that earlier on, but let me tell you this last part. In 95, he was an academic physician working in a London teaching hospital. He was contacted by the parent of an autistic child with stomach issues. He learned from several other parents with autistic behaviors, their kids' regressive behavior immediately followed an MMR vaccine. He started investigating a possible role between gastrointestinal issues, the MMR vaccine, neurological injury in kids, In pursuit of this link or possible link, he participated in a study of 12 children with both stomach and developmental issues. That report that came out of that, written with 12 other authors, catapulted Wakefield into becoming one of the most controversial figures in the history of medicine today. And you just heard him tell you the facts about everything, and isn't it interesting? He's not political. He's a good doctor. He is under assault constantly, 24-7, for the things that he has published, the positions that he's taken, and the evidence that has come from exhaustive research on his part. Interesting, isn't it? You compare Dr., uh, Dr. Wakefield with other people, professionals that you hear from here every day, people like Fauci and other folks. There's no comparison. Truth stands out. It needs no introduction. It needs no explanation. Facts are facts. And we're thankful to Dr. Wayfield for bringing us some of that today.
0: In a world gone mad, telling the truth is a bold move. Your anchor in this sea of chaos is TNN. The following
4: is an important time-insensitive announcement from Staples. Now, for an unlimited time only, Staples is drastically cutting their everyday prices on hundreds of products your business needs. That's right. The clock is not ticking. Walk, crawl, or gag to Staples, and you will not miss this opportunity. These are everyday price cuts. Take a four-pack of AA Duracell batteries. Was four seventy-nine, dollars now just two ninety-nine. dollars
1: Dr. Wakefield, it became obvious to me that he's not one of those uh, political doctors that wants to weaponize things in medicine to control people or to get people to do something or not to do something. I guess basically that's the most dangerous thing about the healthcare business. Many of you who know me know that I've been in the healthcare industry. I'm in it now still for 32 years and I deal with a lot of professionals and many of them have become politicized and it's really sad. Dr. Wakefield, as you heard, not so much. He didn't come out and scream and holler anti-vax on COVID-19, any of that kind of stuff. And when there are people in any sector of American life who will just take a stand and say, I'm not going to let anything or anybody politicize me. Politics is politics. It's going to happen. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put the truth out there and let people make their own choices. Do you believe it? That's great. But he encourages everybody. You heard him do it right here on this show, to go find facts for yourself, to go get resources that you can trust. Now, how do you know if you can trust somebody? Well, let me tell you, the news media world is no different from you face-to-face with people in your life. How do you know who to believe and not to believe? Here's what we taught our three children about that. You have people in your life that you come to your relationship with them and you trust them. People like parents, adults in your life. People like teachers, coaches, And then when you get in the business world, you're employers. So you walk in or you should walk into every one of these relationships and your default position of trust should be without saying it, but acting it this way. I trust you. I'm going to believe what you tell me. You're older than me. You obviously have more information about life and the specific part of life that we're interacting with and about. So I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe you. The first time somebody lies to you and making a mistake, telling somebody something and lying to them are two different things. But anytime the first time that you catch somebody that you've trusted in your default position with them, when they lie to you, mark them and never believe anything at face value, anything they tell you again. Wow. That's a powerful statement, Dan. How do you live that out? Well, here's what you do. Every time they tell you something, you go, your responsibility is to go to verify it's veracity. If it's truthful, well, then it's truthful. Truth stands in a vacuum. If it's not find the truth of the matter. And then you make a decision what to do in the situation with that person, whoever they are. And let me say this, that happens sometimes in families. It happens a lot in families. A lot of the problems that we see around us in people's families, immediate families and extended families are because of truth not being handed around in circulation and interaction with others And people, instead of confronting the falsehoods and doing something with it, I'm not talking about embarrassing people, but if you find out what the truth is and it's opposite of what they told you, I encourage you to one-on-one confront them with it in a loving, kind way and tell them, look, you said this, but here are the facts in that. I just wanted to let you know, it seems like it's different from what you said. When you do that, it's up to them to make a decision. And either they change their perspective, they take ownership of being wrong or telling a lie, whichever it is, and then you know how to move forward together rather than taking anything, weaponizing it, politicizing it, and using it against somebody. That's the creator of all of the insanity that we are living in our lives today. I don't know about you, but I am sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired. I had a long conversation yesterday with a good friend of mine and talked about just being completely emotionally exhausted. And I asked myself yesterday, why is that happening? Well, I'm not going to get into all the personal details, but I've got a lot of things on my plate right now outside of TNN Live and Truth News Network. As a matter of fact, this whole thing, our website, the stories, uh, the show that we do every day, getting it distributed around the world, all of that, that is the fun thing in my life right now. I've got a lot of other things on my plate that are not so fun, and I'm probably not different from you in that way. And sometimes when the two parts of my life begin to rub together, It really gets overwhelming, and I find myself at the end of the day emotionally and mentally just drained. Last night's an example. Throughout most of my adult life, I don't sleep a lot, and uh, that's not on purpose, and it's not been a negative thing. I just, my body, my mind has not required a whole lot of sleep. I guess maybe in the last two or three years, that has begun to change, and I've found that when I sleep a little longer, when I wake up, I'm sharper. I see things differently and quicker. I can make a determination about something quicker than before. But when all of the other stuff gets in there and starts messing it up, it just erodes my ability to keep things in their perspective boxes in my life, and then they begin to overwhelm me when it all gets looked at in total. Does that make sense to you? And I think, for me especially, and about healthcare, medicine, things going on in medicine, because that's been my, my professional life for a long time. When things get all messed up there, it really just it bothers me, and it troubles me, and I let that take over my, uh, my uh, psyche. Not the stuff that's right in the front of my face, but in the background in my mind, it's always there that is what is overwhelmed me emotionally and mentally. And if you're anything like me, you got to find a way to stop that. And I think I, you heard me ask, um, uh, Dr. Wakefield, how do we handle that? How do we handle the fear? And he basically said, he's a good speaker, a good communicator. Uh, we had, we had a bad connection from his phone. I apologize for that. And, uh, we'll have him back, but we'll make sure that we got a good connection in the future. Um, He he said basically what I just told you. You got to confront it. You got to find facts. Make your decisions based on the facts that you know about everything. And if you make that a staple of the way you confront things in your life, it'll always come out better. Why? Because if you make it up front, you find the facts. You get well first. You get the uh, something might not be right about this. I've got to determine if this is true or not. If you'll go ahead and find that determination quickly you get to sidestep a lot of the hoo-ha that comes along with things in your life that you just let hang out there and just assume something somebody told you is true. We opened the show today talking about the Biden administration and their opinion and what they're teaching us all to believe is the true definition of recession, And they've been telling us. I mean, they've marched out their economic experts over the last three or four days. They're all using the same talking point. Well, you know, we've got these good parts of our economy that kind of dispel the old definition of what a recession is. Two back-to-back quarters when GDP goes down. It's not really that way because our, our employment sector is really, really strong. Come on now. Do they eat at the same table you do? Do they live in the same world in which you live? Do they have to buy gasoline? Do they have to pay bills? Do they have to see when they go into a restaurant that they're paying more for food in a restaurant, more on food in the grocery store than we have in in my lifetime? Something's not right with the economy. And whether you want to label it with the R word or not, it's totally immaterial. But face the facts and give us some, some answers to what we can do to get this mess straightened out. We learned yesterday, the global economy probably is teetering on the edge of a global recession. And it's likely to grow more slowly than previously expected this year and next year. Probably. That's according to the International Monetary Fund. The IMF expects the world economy to grow 3.2% this year. That's down from their projection back in uh, April of 3.6%. They think next year it'll slow to 2.9%. Now, what does all that mean? Well, A general rule of thumb is that global growth below 2% qualifies as a recession. While national recessions typically involve negative growth over two quarters, the global economy, it almost never shrinks. So a very low level of growth is considered a slump. So this report that came out from the IMF, it cited central bank tightening of money, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, China's COVID lockdowns as slowing the global economy. Higher than expected inflation. Oh no, we don't have that here. We don't have bad inflation. We really don't. People, economists, and regular everyday people, they don't see what we do. We're the government. We're the ones that are in the know. You got to quit looking at all this stuff and listening to all these sites like Truth News Network and TNN Live. And you got to listen to us because we got all the answers. Well, they do have answers to everything. But a lot of what we're hearing, most of what we're hearing coming out of this White House and the, its economic advisors is not true. Live in your world. Deal with factors in your world. You'll be much happier when you make decisions, even when you have to make decisions about very negative things and very bad things, at least you're making your decisions based on facts. Did you get all that? (laughs) Sometimes I go back and I listen to some of our shows and I listen to some of the things that I say, and it's like, I hope they understood what I meant when I said that. People, we have a lot of things, a lot of things on our plate that we just have to take care of that we haven't had on our plate in the past, at least not all at the same time. And I hate that. We talked, Dr. Wakefield and I, we talked about fear that uh, is everywhere. Fear is the opposite of faith. I'm one of those guys, I grew up as a kid People used to laugh at me. My mom used to laugh at me. I'm one of those guys, my glass is always half full. It's never negative. It's not half bad. Never. It's always half full. And I developed a good overall position of looking at life that way with the expectation that things are going to work out good. And then when they don't, I deal with it. Sometimes, yes, I get over positive. And when something bad goes wrong, I probably get over upset about it. The older I got, I realized what was going on in that process, and I've been able to control it. But I still look at and expect the best in my life in every area. And at our church, um, Rodney Duran, who is the founder of our church, Treeport Community Church, years ago, he passed away about eight or nine years ago. But he started this thing with this motto, the best is yet to come. Now, he didn't create that. It's been used in a lot of other areas. But when you in your life, when you really can make that a staple of the way you approach everything, the best is yet to come. And if you can keep that at the center of your focus, then when everything happens in your life and it begins to erode over here and you have problems in this area and you got a kid making stupid choices and all that kind of stuff, you don't look at any one of them, or even the collective of them, to be, oh my gosh, it's all over. You always think the best is yet to come, and then you tackle each one of the problems and get them resolved to the best of your ability. That's the life we need to find ourselves living in. Now, let me give you an example. There's so much crap going on in the United States of America, if we concentrated on all of that and we just let any one of those things that's happening just take total control and drive out all of the positivity, we're going to live all the time in the, oh, woe is me mode. I don't want to live there. I think, I think, and I may be wrong, but I think that process is an actual tool that is being purposefully used to keep Americans so upset about what's going on and not being able to find answers and getting tons of suggestions for answers and not having the ability to find a way to prove or disprove them and find which one is true and deal with it, what do we do? We just finally throw up our hands and lean back and say, I don't know. I'm just going to fly by the seat of my pants. And a lot of people, they start listening to what they're told by those experts and making life-changing decisions based upon the information given by those experts. What happens then? You get all screwed up because sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. But when you're not involved in the process, even when you find out later, You're wrong and you know what the truth is. you got to find a way to get back to the beginning and find the truth and then make a choice of how to proceed going forward. We're going to walk away from that. Wow, that was a heavy first hour. What's going on in Ukraine? Have you watched or heard anything about Ukraine and the Russia invasion? Well, it kind of surprised me last night when I was checking and finding information that... uh, I think are important things that we need to talk about here at TNN Live. And I always look to see what the latest is in Ukraine. There's something going on in Ukraine about the Russians invading a city, the very first city that Russia took when it invaded Ukraine. And it looks like the Ukrainian military is about to take that city back. Military officials in Ukraine are looking to use Western weapons to liberate the
8: Kherson region, That's the first major city captured by Russian forces when the war first began. General Jack Keane is with me this morning. General, it seems to me the Ukrainians are gearing up for a major offensive, a large-scale counterattack. Is that the state of play right now?
3: Yeah, you're absolutely right, Stuart. This is something that's been in the planning and preparation stages now for weeks. And it looks like they're beginning to set in motion what they consider to be a counteroffensive to take back Kherson City and the surrounding area, which would be a major accomplishment if they're able to pull this off. And certainly the weapons that the United States has been providing to them and the Europeans as well, particularly the HIMARS, has really helped them quite a bit in terms of defeating Russian artillery, which has been the main weapon system that the Russians have been using to take territory away from ukrainians in the eastern donbass region this is a major major movement by the ukrainians Stuart, and the outcome is uncertain but what we do know is ukrainians have the skill they've got the will we believe they have the people to do it and now they also have some weapon systems that are going to help them do it it's going to be a very tough fight but this will help determine whether this war is going to be protracted for years to come or will the Ukrainians really be able to take territory back and drive the Russians out. Do we have any military people Americans on the ground in Ukraine? I don't think we do uh, but I'll tell you what this much I do know because I have received briefings uh, in the Pentagon we provide them exquisite intelligence on a regular basis, not just once in a while. I'm talking about continuously. We have full visibility of that battlefield. If there's a Russian unit that's moving on that battlefield, we have visibility of it, and we are telling that to the Ukrainians. We're using all of our sources to be able to do that, from imagery, uh, surveillance, uh, surveillance of the battlefield, we obviously have satellites, we have airplanes that can stand off, uh, not over Ukrainian territory to do it, signals intelligence, and we we also have other assets as well. So, yes, we are helping them. I don't believe we have people on the ground, but I, I don't know for sure. I don't think we need to have, frankly. Uh, let's change this, this is not the
8: subject but the the theater of operations the chairman of the Joint Chiefs General Mark Milley has a warning about China's military he says the message is the Chinese military in the air the sea have become significantly more noticeably more aggressive in this region and they're trying to expand their influence throughout the region and that has potential consequences and not necessarily favorable to our allies and partners in the region that's a strong statement from General Milley
3: what do you make of it General Keane Yes. Well, he is out in the region. He's going to have a major meeting with all the chiefs of defense in terms of our allies and partners later this week in Sydney, Australia. He's currently in, in Indonesia, and he's sounded an alarm, something that we've been talking about here for some time. President Xi, and he's been in power now over 10 years, certainly changed things rather dramatically in terms of the intimidation and coercion of Taiwan across the Taiwan Straits, and also our allies and to include what General Miller is talking about in harassing our airplanes and our ships. The aggressiveness is obvious. And I think what we have to consider seriously is that President Xi, while he's watching the war in Ukraine and he's watching Russia have a lot of problems with it, President Xi as opposed to pausing and slowing down his desire to take over Taiwan may indeed be increasing in terms of time frame. Why? Because we are right now outgunned and outmanned in the region, but he knows full well the United States is working very hard to correct that. That'll take a few years to do so, but that encourages him maybe to do something sooner rather than later. Second problem is, you're aware of this, he has, President Xi has economic setbacks right now, and they're destined to get worse. And it may be better for him to do something sooner, again, rather than later economically, as well as it is militarily. That's the concern we have. And Millie certainly is going to be out there trying to shore up our allies to work together in the region to push back on China's aggression.
8: That's just the kind of analysis that we need. Thank you very
1: much indeed, General, for supplying it. Always appreciate it. See you again soon, I hope. Thank you. When we don't hear anything about Ukraine and that Russia invasion, You know, it's been going on for so long. Now it kind of gets on the back page of a a magazine, a newspaper, or coverage in a television or radio uh, broadcast. We forget about it. We forget about the importance of it. That's kind of the same thing that happened in all of our years in Afghanistan, even in Iraq in both cases. Uh, American people just get tired just the same thing day after day after day. That's part of the problem in getting truth through the COVID-19 pandemic. We were given factual information. We were told today and it changed tomorrow and we just got worn out. So it's kind of interesting when you look back and you, you hear actually, maybe there's something good about Ukraine. If they're able to take back that first territory and city that the Russians took when they began this invasion. How long is that invasion going to last? Oh, my gosh. It's going to go on forever, it looks like. I don't think either country financially and economically can stand for it to. So I think it would be smart if they would get together and get their differences resolved and uh, get to some factual information and make some agreements to get out of this mess. You remember Richard Hirschman? He was with us live last week. He's from Alabama, is that certified funeral director and embalmer there. He came on the show last week and he told us about as he's been doing autopsies and getting the blood, the fluid and stuff into and out of the bodies that he's embalming. That's gross to talk about, I know, but it's important to understand. He began to find in 80% of the bodies he's been embalming, when he goes to do that, he gets this kind of uh, rubbery substance that's really hard to get out of the veins of these people and he's never seen it before in his career. He doesn't know what it is. He talks to other funeral directors around the nation and finds out they're facing the same thing. So he told us he had sent some of this material off to a very good pathological expert lab to get an analysis done And that he would come back and give us the results of that. Well, he's not here today, but he sent me a text overnight, during the night. And all it included was a video. And the video contained some information about this. I've got that information for you. Not directly from Richard Hirschman, but from the real doctor who created the video talking about it got that for you right after this what
5: up y'all it's dj envy and i'm teaming up with turtle wax this summer to make sure your rides are clean shiny protected and even disinfected because whether you're hitting the streets or heading out on the highway to the beach turtle wax will make sure your vehicle is looking smelling and feeling amazing Turtle Wax is the only brand that I trust with my fleet of supercars. And y'all know how many cars I keep in my garage, right? Check out TurtleWax.com to learn more and be sure to buy now at TurtleWax.com or anywhere you shop for car care.
2: And now back to John with the weather. Yes, Andy. Tonight a big storm. Storm this! Get the soccer offer from Pizza Hut and Pepsi with every two medium pan Super Supreme. You get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free! Yes! A real soccer ball, ball and ball four cans, cans of Pepsi
4: for free! Yes, Pepsi the soccer ball! Four don't,
2: Pepsi don't miss the Pepsi Pizza Hut and Pepsi ball. soccer four offer with every two medium pan Super Supreme. You get a real soccer ball and four cans of Pepsi for free! What about the weather, Andy? Don't resist and call 19,000 now!
0: Shop at H&M, be stylish, be trendy, with women's clothes and accessories at the best quality and the best prices since 1947. Come to H&M and shop for women's clothing and accessories inspired by the latest fashion trends. Here at H&M, the master of cheap fashion, clothes cost the average price of $21.40. Wow, that's so cheap and affordable. I know, right? H&M offers fashion and quality clothing at an affordable price. So, what are you waiting for? can shop at h H&M and today. Hashtag hot and modern.
2: Enrique Santos for Taco Bell. The toasted cheddar chalupa from Taco Bell is back, and I know what you're thinking, because I'm thinking the same thing. Did they really toast six-month-old aged cheddar right onto a delicious flaky chalupa shell again? Yes, they did, but now it's even tastier. It comes with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink, all in a $5 box. That's right, all that for just a little cheddar. But don't forget, it's back for a limited time. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa Box, only at Taco Bell.
0: CBS, NBC, ABC, MSNBC, CNN. An alphabet soup of lies, myths, and disinformation. For real nutrition, you need a full plate of truth. TNN, the truth news network.
1: Looking back to last week and the conversation we had on on the air here with Richard Hirschman, the board-certified funeral director and embalmer, about what he was finding in the veins of these embalmed, um, these dead people that he was embalming as part of his job. And that rubbery, he couldn't even really describe it, if you remember exactly what it was. But it was really strange. So he sent a bunch of it off to some experts And they got some information. Now, here's what you're going to have to do. He sent me a video, Dr. Jane Ruby and the Health Ranger, and it's on Rumble. It's free and it's on Rumble. And the Health Ranger and, of course, Dr. Jane Ruby, they're both MDs, physicians, And there is a very broad explanation of what this really is. First of all, I'm going to tell you this. What I know, what they are finding, what Richard Hirschman and other embalmers are finding that is taking over all of the space in these veins is not blood. It is not blood. So what I'm going to ask you to do, I am not going to get into it. It's a video. It's about uh, 30 minutes long. I'm going to tell you this. If you're interested, go to Rumble and in the search bar, put Dr. Jane Ruby and the Health Ranger. And this is the latest video that will pop up. If you want the information about what it is, and let me tell you, it is real. It has been confirmed. It is one of the byproducts of some, at least, patients that die after having COVID vaccinations. I'm going to leave it right there. I'm not going to pontificate or give you my opinions. I just know it ain't supposed to be anything but blood in our bodies. Period. And so something's up there. Something's up there. As a follow-up to some of the January 6th stuff that's going on, one of the defendants one of the defendants that was charged in the follow-up and was charged with all kinds of stuff from there. Something interesting has come out about that defendant. Former Sheriff's Deputy Ronald Colton McAbee. He's from Tennessee, 28 years old. He's faced a really difficult road since he was indicted for alleged criminal actions at the U.S. Capitol that day in 2021. The most trying situation for the deputy was being denied bail for nearly one year. So what does that mean? He was in jail in Washington, D.C. for one year, no bail. And the reason he was denied bail was supposedly because of what came up in a video. Now think about that, one year. Arguably the most trying situation was being denied bail because of a video that supposedly indicted him, making him guilty of a crime. Well, guess what's happened? According to his attorney, that same video exonerates him. What makes the government's case weak is the fact that the videos actually exonerate McCabe of the very allegations made against him and he's motivated to appear for a trial, take the stand, narrate those videos for the jury. William Shipley is his lawyer and he wrote that in May. Maccabee, former sheriff's deputy in Tennessee and Georgia with more than seven years of law enforcement experience as a deputy, was charged by prosecutors with seven alleged crimes. Charges included assault, resisting, impeding a federal officer, two counts of civil disorder, entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds with a deadly or dangerous weapon, disorderly and disruptive conduct in a restricted building on grounds with a deadly or dangerous weapon, engaging in physical violence in a restricted building or grounds with a deadly or dangerous weapon, and committing an act of physical violence in the Capitol grounds or buildings. Now that's a a litany of a bunch of nasty stuff. Well, he was outside the Lower West Terrace Tunnel during some of the worst violence on that day. Several times he tried to give life-saving aid to a dying Roseanne Boylan, age 34, of Kennesaw, Georgia. His interactions with Metropolitan Police officers resulted in most of the charges and served as justification for that judge in DC to keep him in jail until the trial. So he was arrested August 17, 2021, in Tennessee at a detention hearing on August 26. Prosecutors argued he assaulted police department officer Andrew Wyatt. They said that after Wyatt fell at the tunnel entrance, Maccabee, who had a broken shoulder from a car accident nine days earlier, by the way, pulled him down the concrete stairs into a crowd that was hostile. The prosecutor played a video for the court. There was no sound. Now, why wouldn't there be sound on the video? The lack of audio would later prove to be a crucial element of the story. After that detention hearing was continued on September 8th of that year, Magistrate Judge Jeffrey Frensley ruled against the Department of Justice and ordered Maccabee released pending trial. I don't believe that Mr. McAbee poses a future danger to the community if he were to be released between now and time that he resolves this case the judge said. The government despite my request that they provide me any evidence he's presented and any sort of danger to the community have been able to point to absolutely nothing beyond the events around and during January 6. The judge says what he saw in the video, it wasn't definitive. It was open to interpretation. Maccabee's guilt or innocent could not be part of the consideration for bond, he said. We have a system that presumes innocence and for me to make a decision where I become judge, jury, and executioner all in the same role without affording him the rights he's entitled under the Constitution is inappropriate. Imagine that, a judge saying, hey, we're going to follow the Constitution. But that victory in That judge's court didn't last very long. Prosecutors filed an emergency appeal the same day in federal court in D.C. And so here's our buddy, Senior District Judge Emmett Sullivan. You remember him? Oh, my gosh. In the Russia collusion thing. He figured heavily in all those things that happened there. A far leftist is Emmett Sullivan. He stayed Judge Frensley's order and scheduled hearings on the government's motion to keep Maccabee behind bars until trial. So that hearing happened September 22nd, 21. Sullivan seemed to telegraph his eventual decision to hold Maccabee without bond. Now, although this is lengthy, but I want you to understand this is our government, and this is happening with this gentleman, but it means that it's happened with a bunch of others, and there are still, we don't know the exact number, but we know it's more than 100 people still in jail in Washington, D.C., denied bail, waiting trial. What happened to the constitutional guarantee of a speedy trial? When being shown a video with Maccabee wearing body armor with a patch that read sheriff, Judge Sullivan said this, that's pretty outrageous. A short time later, Sullivan said, these videos are very disturbing. He made several other statements agreeing with the prosecutor in assessing the evidence. Sullivan then suggested in open court that Maccabee is a terrorist. So it appears clearly to this court that the defendant is pulling the officer back into the crowd of other terrorists. Whatever happened to evidence? Whatever happened to innocent until proven guilty? And Judge Sullivan, I mean Sullivan, who's an activist on the bench, he's proven that again and again and again. He agreed and said, he said that Maccabee was pulling this police officer back into the crowd of other terrorists. So they had another hearing October. 13th, Sullivan reversed Judge Frensley's order and ruled Maccabee should not be released pending trial. He said he would issue a written ruling which was released more than two months later in December. So while Frensley told prosecutors that they did not show evidence that Maccabee had done anything to prove he was a danger during the eight months between January 6th and his August arrest, Sullivan ruled the only way to protect the community is to keep Maccabee in jail. The court concludes that clear and convincing evidence supports a finding that no condition or combination of conditions will reasonably assure the safety of the community. It's just the craziest situation, them saying he's a danger to the community. That's his wife, Maccabee's wife, when he's been a law enforcement officer, never has had his stripes on his record, let alone a speeding ticket. So there's been a break in the case and it came when video investigator Gary McBride of Decatur, Texas studied the body cam footage that was shown in court, except with the audio track turned on. It painted a very different picture of what actually happened. The prosecutors did not play the audio of Andrew Wyatt and Maccabee. Andrew Wyatt is the police officer, talking during this point. McBride said in a video he made about the evidence, Maccabee is trying to save the cop. Prosecutors did not play that in court. Now what does this tell us? I'm not a conspiracy theorist, are you? But wouldn't it seem reasonable in a case this big and it not a big case, but they made it a big case. Emmett Sullivan called this police officer a terrorist, and they're basing him being held in that jail in DC for more than a year without bail, still standing trial. They based it on a video that the judge watched in open court, and prosecutors turned down the audio. And the audio plainly proved the police officer was talking to Maccabee. And Maccabee was pulling him into safe situations, was trying to help him out. We're the greatest nation on the planet. Our government, our rule of law, our constitution is the greatest law enforcement and the greatest constitution on the planet. I can tell you this, that only happens when what our people who are in charge of us Politically, legally, in law enforcement, and the courts, works the way it's supposed to work. And we're seeing every day where big government taking all the power that they can grab away from us American people and using it for political purposes. We're watching it play out. That's exactly what this is. How many more times, how many more examples of this are there? And are there people that are going to be stuck in that
0: jail for a long, long time? Real Truth, Real News, TNN, the Truth News Network. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks, just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yep, still delicious. And so some other snacks, like creamy yogurt covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and some new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sun made snacks.
2: Cars today are computers on wheels, that's it. Uh, the fancy new tech makes our life easier in the car, but When something breaks, can you afford to fix the touch screen display or the sensor, which can cost thousands of dollars? Most likely no, that's why I have Car Shield, and it takes away the worry and the panic of the expensive repair that you know is coming. Car Shield, their protection plans can save you thousands for covered repairs, including everything from an engine, transmission, GPS, electronics, and more. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work, and Car Shield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary roadside assistance and a rental car. It's inevitable something's gonna break. It happens to everybody, including me, so get coverage from America's number one auto protection company like I did and find out why CarShield cars go farther. Rates are as low as $99 a month, so visit carshield.com. Use the promo code iheart to save 10%. That's carshield.com, promo code iheart. Deductible may apply.
1: Of law enforcement, um, a big bombshell dropped yesterday from the Department of Justice, actually from Attorney General Merrick Garland. Last night on NBC Nightly News, he was asked and he responded that he is not ruling out the DOJ, Attorney General, is not ruling out prosecution of former President Trump, even if he announces a 2024 presidential run. Lester Holt was the NBC announcer, and he asked the AG, is the committee, the January 6th committee, is the committee offering you anything in terms of an informal roadmap? Are you learning things that you didn't know? Attorney General Garland said the Justice Department has been doing the most wide-ranging investigation in its history, and the committee is doing an enormously wide-ranging investigation as well. It is inevitable that there will be before we have found them. And it's inevitable there will be things that we find that they haven't found. The Justice Department from the beginning has been moving urgently to learn everything we can about this period. And to bring to justice anybody who is criminally responsible for interfering with the peaceful transfer of power from one administration to another, which is a fundamental element of our democracy. Let me give you a little background here. The Department of Justice, the FBI, and the DOJ, they did a wide-ranging investigation of this, the allegations, and they came back and said previously they found nothing. They found nothing. And now the attorney general is on televisions. He's kind of saying, hold on, hold on. We're not done yet. Holt said, you said in no uncertain terms the other day that no one is above the law. That said, the indictment of a former president or perhaps candidate for president would arguably tear this country apart. Is that your concern as you make your decision down the road here? Do you have to think about things like that? Garland said, Look, we pursue justice without fear or favor. We intend to hold everyone, anyone who is criminally responsible for the events surrounding January 6th or any attempt to interfere with the lawful transfer of power from one administration to another accountable. That is what we do. We don't pay any attention to other issues with respect to that. Final question. Lester Holt asked Attorney General Garland, so if Donald Trump were to become a candidate for president again, that would not change your schedule or how you move forward or don't move forward? Garland responded with the same answer. I'll say it again, that we will hold accountable Anybody who is criminally responsible for attempting to interfere with the transfer from one administration to another one. You want a prediction? Donald Trump will be indicted. Not by the January 6th committee because they can't. The only people that could is the Department of Justice. You just heard the words come out of the Attorney General Merrick Garland's mouth. Long after the original investigation took place, he made it very clear the DOJ is still looking, they're still looking. Basically what he's saying is we're trying to find something that we can throw at Trump and indict him and possibly keep him from running again if that's what he wants to do. Basically what this is, folks, there's no question about it. This is the third impeachment. Donald Trump. Twice they failed and they're trying to get that third time as a charm thing done. They're going to come after the president, President Trump. I promise you. And so speaking of President Trump, he spoke last night for the first time since he left office. He was back in Washington, D.C., a Republican group, big group, Charlie Kirk's group had a meeting last night in D.C., and President Trump, former President Trump, was there.
5: Our country is being dealt one historic humiliation after another on the world stage.
6: Former President Trump is in Washington tonight for the first time since he left office. He spoke to a conservative group that was primed for some indication that he will run for a third run at the White House. As WBZ political analyst John Keller shows as Trump delivered a preview of what he'll focus on if he runs again. He
5: Mr. Trump made his return to the Capitol amid signs of discontent among some Republicans over his obsession with the last election, a focus his former vice president called out in a speech hours before Trump's. And it is absolutely essential at a time when so many Americans are hurting, so many families are struggling, that we don't give way to the temptation to look back. There is no longer respect. For the law. And for most of his speech, Trump did look forward to an all out Republican led war on crime. We need an all out effort to defeat violent crime in America and strongly defeat it and be tough and be nasty and be mean if we have to. He called for a return to stop and frisk policies that studies have found do little to reduce felonies. Parents are worried, sick, that their kids will get shot on the way to school or on the way back home. But efforts to curb the sale of weapons to troubled buyers without criminal records, like the Uvalde mass murderer, are a non-starter for Trump. Take the guns away from the criminals who shouldn't be having guns. Let the people that have to have guns, that need to have guns, let them have them. And in the end, he abandoned his script and returned to his favorite theme, the past and his contemplated revenge. We got millions and millions more votes. And you know what? That's going to be a story for a long time. What a disgrace it was. But we may just have to do it again. We have to straighten out our votes.
6: So do you think this speech will do anything to deter those Republicans who say they might be looking for someone new? Well, hardcore
5: Republicans like that are really have had it? I don't think so, but I think it might help drown them out a little bit, Paula, because it was a return to the candidate Trump of 2016 who electrified the party with red meat rhetoric on issues like crime, immigration, and the Second Amendment. Paula, it was like a greatest hits concert by a band that hasn't had a hit in a while, but leaves the audience saying, hey, they still got it. And if Trump intends to run again, as I suspect he does, that was mission accomplished. It'll be very
1: interesting to watch. John
6: Keller, thanks so much.
1: I wonder, and a lot of people are wondering the same thing that I'm wondering, is Trump, if he's going to run, is he planning on announcing it before the midterm elections in November or after? And there are competing thoughts of whether he should announce early or wait till later. And they go kind of like this. If he, if he announces before the midterms, Democrats that are struggling right now to find something on which they can use to run uh, in November and give people a reason to get out and vote for him, they would look at a Donald Trump entering the race as fuel, really good fuel, to use against Republicans who support Trump in the midterms. That's the big thought for that, if he waits until after the midterms and announces What that's going to do, it's going to give the Republicans a big open field opportunity for two years, two years with Donald Trump out there doing his campaign rallies around the nation that were so effective when he was president. I went to one personally, and I got to be honest with you. I'd watched some on television. Um, I had differing thoughts about it back and forth, whether they were good, whether they were bad. But when I went to one and was physically there from the beginning to the end and in the context of everything that happened, everything he said, everything that people that were there that gave little speeches, what they said, and the way the crowd reacted to all of this, it proved to me, first of all, something that I'd never really realized. And I guess you don't unless you're in person with somebody. He's a really good communicator one-on-one. And he is able to talk to people from a stage. He never talks at anybody. And when people feel that one-on-one camaraderie, they feel like they can know somebody rather than people getting up and pontificating in a speech. Let me just say this. There's a big controversy going on now around uh, the media, the, uh, the legacy media world. It appears that Fox News has made a decision. I don't know if it's Fox News or Fox Corp, the parent company or whatever, but they're not really supporting Trump and giving Trump the airtime that they have in the past. What makes you think that, Dan? Well, yesterday... At this same meeting in Washington, D.C., earlier in the day, former Vice President Mike Pence gave a speech. Fox carried it. They didn't carry Donald Trump's speech. Now, in the past, that would have never happened. In the past, it would have been doubtful that Pence's speech would have even been played or covered. But not even talking about, yet alone playing, former President Trump's speech at that meeting. I think it's in a message. And talking to Marianne, my wife last night, I made a conclusion and she kind of looked at me. What are you, what are you, where are you getting that? And I said, well, consider this. The people upstairs in Fox News, I'm talking about the corporate folks. There are some people up there. If you remember back election night, 2020 election night, that one producer of the election operations of Fox News, he's the one that made the decision to come out and make Fox be the very first network to confirm or announce that Joe Biden was going to win the election. And boy, did he and did Fox News get all kinds of slams from conservatives of every kind. They never would walk it back. And then there's another factor. That weighs in that a lot of people don't know enough. You remember Paul Ryan? Paul Ryan was a member of the House of Representatives in leadership for a while. He's from Wisconsin. And he actually was Speaker of the House when Trump was president. He ran with Mitt Romney, you'll remember, as Mitt Romney's running mate against Barack Obama and Joe Biden in their reelection bid. And those two were beat up pretty bad. Ryan, immediately after, though he had been a heavyweight politician in the, the Republican Party and seemed to be a rising star, he very suddenly made a decision not to run for re-election. And guess where he shows up? On the board of Fox News. He is a never-trumper. He is a rhino. And he's one of Mike Pence's best friends. Now, when you put all the pieces together and Fox News carries Mike Pence's speech, but doesn't carry the former president of the United States speech, it just makes you go, hmm, what the heck is going on there? I'm just saying. It just seems curious. So watch that, if you would. Watch that with me as we head towards the midterm elections. If that is a fact, we'll see more of this happen and the American people conservatives that have made Fox news, what they are, it's not just so much their content, but it's the way that they have supported true conservatism and those who espouse it. And I'm going to tell you this, when it comes to that particular thing about Mike Pence, vice president, Mike Pence he's leaning more towards the rhino spot in the Republican party than he is the true conservative spot that concerns me. And I, it makes me wonder what is Mike Pence going to do if Donald Trump declares for his run for 2024, is that going to stop Pence from getting in the race or not? There's a lot of stuff up in the air and we're watching it closely. There's another big thing that's up in the air and it's getting a lot of coverage and it's beginning to trouble me in a big way. Representative Elaine Luria, she's a Democrat from Virginia, she voted on legislation that has come up and we've talked about it here. This legislation is going to give billions in subsidies to boost chip manufacturing while holding up to $25 million of stocks in NVIDIA Corporation. That's how much representative Elaine Luria has in that company. And there's a lot of uh, people that are saying, how can you do that? They've got inside information. They do. We all know that because they're studying legislation all the time. And when that happens, part of that is getting all the information about that company that's going to be involved in this piece of legislation. $25 $25 million of stock, that's just not an accidental thing. It isn't. And of late, of course, look at what happened to Paul Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi. We've been following that. Last night, Raymond Ororo on Fox News, he weighed in. He had something to say about these legislators and buying stock, like uh, Representative Luria did, under very suspect circumstances
9: we to BRING IN NOW RAYMOND Arroyo, FOX NEWS CONTRIBUTOR. GET HIS QUICK THOUGHTS ON THIS. RAYMOND.
6: WHERE DO YOU BEGIN, HARRIS? LOOK, NANCY PELOSI CONFUSES PUBLIC SERVICE WITH SELF-SERVICE. BUT SHE'S NOT ALONE. 66 MEMBERS OF CONGRESS, HARRIS, 66 FAILED TO REPORT THEIR STOCK TRANSFERS AND TRANSACTIONS AS THEY'RE REQUIRED TO DO BY LAW. IS THAT BIPARTISAN, TOO? You, oh, bipartisan, oh, Tommy so Tupperville, Diane Feinstein, Representative Jamie Raskin, who's defending the democracy every day out there. $1.5 million transfer he failed to report, uh, and others he was late in reporting. It's not one party, it's both parties. But look, Pelosi and her husband look very bad doing this. I mean, the man invested $5 million in Microsoft suddenly, and then the army announces, you know, a new headgear deal for, uh, for $29 billion dollars two weeks later. Coincidence, mm-hmm. you decide. This is hard to, to ferret out and prove, Harris, that there's double dealing, but there's no doubt it looks bad. It's time for a ban. If you want to be in public service in the Congress or the White I, House, you have to put your stuff in a blind trust. I, End I, of story.
1: I totally agree with him there. And here's the only problem. Who can make that happen? Who can stop anybody in Congress from buying stock while they're in office. Well, they make all the rules of how Congress operates. The House, as a matter of fact, they make their own rules, and the Senate makes their own rules. So do you think they're actually going to rule against each other, having the opportunity to make money? And I can tell you how they all think about it. Hey, you elected us to serve. We're doing our job. Yeah, we get opportunities that other people don't get. But that's just one of the perks that go along with you sending us up here. It's kind of like you knew I was a snake before you picked me up and snakes bite you. You know that story. Hey, listen. Tomorrow, Steve Baker, photojournalist, on the ground on January 6th. He's got some new information that's come out. He's going to be with us live. And on Friday, George Wood will be here, a investigative journalist that he's one of those bulldogs that gets all kind of stuff, and he's heavily involved. He's going to be with us. A busy week here. Getting information for you. Making sure you've got all the facts you use to make good decisions. We'll see you tomorrow at TNN Live. Who draws
9: the crowd and plays so loud? Baby, it's the guitar man. Who's going to steal the show? You know, baby, it's the guitar man. And you like to sing along You want to get the meaning Out of each and every song And you find yourself a message And some words to call your own And take them home